All right. Thanks again for listening to the Parkhills Podcast. This week, we are talking about Saul as we work through the Bible in a year, and we talk about the greatest story ever told. And so if you are enjoying this and you want more, you can find our blogs and all the other stuff at parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Either one of those things are easy to find if you go and look for them. But we, we are loving you listening from wherever you are. And so thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's dive into Saul this week. So Saul, good guy. Yeah, for those who are looking for career options, <laughs> maybe we should look into Saul's history. Yeah. So when you start uh, in you know First Samuel eight, and it, it talks about you know they wanting they they're wanting a king. Israel wants a king, and then you ch- turn to chapter nine. There's a man of Benjamite, uh, a Benjamin. He's a Benjamite, and he is a man, his father was a man of wealth, and he is out looking for donkeys. Yeah, you know, you some going. would say donkey herder. I think if you say herder of donkeys, <laughs> it sounds much better. <laughs> yeah. Either way, uh, if you've ever worked with a donkey, <laughs> donkeys are... Don't. They don't. Are the, <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> they are the worst animals to work with. They're just, they're mean and they're feisty and I, stubborn. I had a chance to play donkey basketball one time. You did. I did. And they put me on a donkey that just the one donkey that would not move. What no matter what you did, that donkey would not move. So I. I love on. how you're blaming the donkey in the story. If I were a donkey and I suddenly had a man of your stature <laughs> upon me, I would find it hard to move as well. Maybe he couldn't move. But I'm not saying you're fat. You're either, a large man. You're either just, couldn't or wouldn't. <laughs> you're a tall, handsome man, and uh, that's a that's a big frame to carry there for that little donkey, that poor little fella. Yeah. Please tell me this was like a miniature donkey, like the donkey in Shrek or something. Well, so, my feet dragged on the ground. So it was he did. But, he, but that, you know, <laughs> I, you know, he just, yeah, he didn't want to do anything. <laughs> oh, that poor donkey. Yeah. And and with that, these poor donkeys that are wandering the countryside, just having their 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 their, their day. They're just enjoying their day in the sunshine. Being led, being led by Saul, of all people. Yeah, but Saul can't find them. So he's having problems <laughs> even locating the donkeys that he lost. It's one thing to be a donkey herder. It's another <laughs> thing to be a bad one. There is so much in the Bible about characters who just aren't good at their jobs. You know, I've made fun of Peter multiple times. Every time Peter talks about catching fish, he's never caught anything. <laughs> you know, we were out all night. We didn't catch anything. I don't know why I would throw the net on this side of the boat. And Jesus is like, just throw it. And he's like, okay. And throws it. And he's like, there's so many fish. This has to be Jesus. It's like, or you're the worst fisherman ever. And so you kind of, you're supposed to laugh at, at 1 Samuel 9, just how ridiculous this story is. They're donkeys. They don't move as fast as horses. They're not like the craziest animals to, to wrangle in. And he, he's not even able to wrangle them in. And then you start going, that's somewhat of a, a satire, a moment of laughing about his character versus the character that we're going to meet in a few chapters, who is just a little shepherd boy. He's got a sling. Uh, and, and most people don't know this, but most shepherds, it was actually the job usually relegated to the females in the family. They, a lot of times they didn't even think that the guys were, they, they always put the guys in charge of the other things, the big things, the important things. And so if you notice, all the brothers are at the house 
David's out in the fields with a shepherd. But there, to be a shepherd, you have to have a tender heart. You have to have a tender way with those animals to sort of guide them because they're dumb animals. They kind of just do whatever they want to do and they follow the leader. And so to be able to do that, but then also protect them, there's this sort of thing happening here where we're supposed to read this and go, Saul's not able to take care of his donkeys. David's out in the field doing what he's supposed to do. And there's already a contrast being built in the text for us that most people just don't see. And so I, I wanted to throw that out here and just kind of say, okay, check this out. It's interesting. There's something there. And there's tons of Jewish writings on, you know, the donkey herder versus the shepherd. Which king would you rather have? And all Israelites would say, well, of course we want the shepherd. We don't want the donkey herder. But uh, but yeah. apparently they did briefly. Well, he was taller <laughs> and more handsome than the rest. Who could deny that? How does that feel, Mark, to be taller and more handsome than the rest? I don't know that I like to be thrown in the same lot with, <laughs> with this donkey. You're herder. a man of character, though. It's a different situation than okay. what Saul feels. All right, like. fair enough. All right. Sorry about throwing that into the sermon as well. I wanted to make sure that you uh, had a little bit of mockery that, you know, getting you back for things maybe you said in the past. I don't know. I don't know. You're setting a an exa- you know a new pattern of mockery. In the, <laughs> I'm setting a new I, pattern I, for I mockery. <laughs> That's that's great. <laughs> speaking of which, Saul has got a <laughs> no. It's not really speaking of which. So Saul's got a weird story, right near the end of his life. Uh, he's not sure about how the battle's going to go, and so he goes and inquires of the Lord, or not. No, he doesn't. Right? He wants to, but you know, without without his man Samuel there, he doesn't know what to do. And desperation. He, he he's got to see. He's so desperate to speak to Samuel. That he tells his guys, listen, let's seek out a woman who is a medium. And they disguise themselves and go to this medium by night. And the request is, bring up for me, Samuel. Like, what is going on here? And, and if that isn't crazy enough, in verse 15 of First Samuel 28, and Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Certainly we've got some questions there, right? I mean, what is going on here? Like, not only does Saul go, well, our herder of donkeys, the previous herder of donkeys, (laughs) goes to a medium to speak to the dead, but apparently has some success through her, which raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Yeah. But then Saul basically saying, well, why have you bothered me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sam was going, ah, Saul, what are you doing, man? This is weird. Can you imagine? There's so many possibilities here, which is what I want to get into. But just, just imagine that if the story is told the way it's told and it's totally accurate, imagine being dead, possibly in the presence of the Lord, and then being called back to earth. Yeah. By I've been some, woken up from idiot. Yeah, I've been woken <laughs> up from herder. you know in a start from my sleep, and I'm not in a happy mood. Imagine being in the presence of the Lord, and now all of a sudden you're standing in front of Saul, the donkey herder, who can't get anything right. Why did you wake me up? So, so ton of possibilities. You know, if you're okay with it for a second, let's talk about some of the commentary discussions about this. Because one of the problems would be, well, if Samuel's coming back to life, what does that mean? Can you know? Could someone be conjured back from being in the presence of the Lord? Uh, some problems with that, but it's definitely a possibility. The other possibility is that this is actually a, a demonic situation, that this individual sort of shape shifts themselves to look like Samuel. Uh, and with demons being what demons are and what they're capable of, he would have known the whole story. So he could certainly impersonate 
Samuel and make it sort of be that. The other possibility is that the witch is just making all of this up. If you read the story close enough, there really is no total conversation between the two. She seems to be sort of talking to the spirit and then talking to Saul. So it's quite possible that she just knows Saul well enough that she's able to sort of say, well, I see this, you know, she says, I see this man coming through. You know, there have been some commentators that say, well, we don't know if any of that's true. You know, mediums today can sort of read the clues in the room and figure yeah. out certain things. And Deception to... is not far from these people. Totally. No. So any one of those three are possibilities. I don't mind the idea of Samuel being called back, not because he's in the presence of the Lord. I think he actually isn't in the presence of the Lord yet. If we're reading the Old Testament closely, there's this idea of Sheol, and mm-hmm. Sheol has these these two parts. There's a light side and a dark side, and it seems to be those who have served the Lord are in the lighter side. Abraham's bosom is what we call it. That's yep. what Jesus calls it in, in Luke. And so you've got Abraham's bosom, and then the other side is sort of this dark space, but none of them are judged yet. They're just right. waiting until Christ dies on the cross. And then all of a sudden we move into this period where now you're actually in the presence of the Lord versus not because mm-hmm. he has sort of rescued those from Sheol. So if that's the case, if we're if there's a holding cell up until the cross, then Samuel's not really being called back from anything. His soul's just sort of hanging out with all the guys that are, you know, yeah. serving the Lord. So he could be, but it's still kind of a bummer. He's talking to Moses maybe at a dinner table. They're chilling, talking about how great it's going to be to be in the presence of the Lord someday. You know, this is great. Can't wait for Jesus to do his thing. And all of a sudden, wait, Samuel, yeah. where'd you go? And Samuel, yeah. poof. Samuel's cell phone's ringing. He's going, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it could speak to so. You know, we have to remember that that uh, spiritual warfare is real, and the there is a battle going on, and we have um, sort of the supernatural at play there. I mean, the the most important thing to remember anytime we enter, even entertain the idea of the evil power, that evil spiritual power, we have to remember that greater is He who is in us, and He who is in the world, and that. The Lord wins. That's the important thing with whatever is going on here. But just shows just how desperate and how messed up this this poor previous uh, herder of donkeys <laughs> has become and that he's this desperate. And uh, and it shows in how he, he even acts and his behaviors that come out. Totally. If you're doing the Old Testament walkthrough, I know Larry has led a class on that. I think he wants to in the fall. So if you're at Park Hills in 2021, there's a really good chance that there'll be a chance to do that. Uh, but when you go through the Old Testament walkthrough, you know, it starts with creation, fall, flood. There's this this whole set of motions that you learn. When you get to Saul, his motion is no heart. And Sa- Solomon's is half heart and David's is whole heart. And I think that's really the way to look at these first three kings that are important Saul is just not really sold out to the Lord. You know, I think so many people give him kind of a bad rap or they think, I can't believe God would not let him be king for much longer only because of the sacrifice situation that we talked about in the sermon. That is not it. There are so many moments in his track record. I mean, he doesn't want to be king. He's hiding from everybody when the kingship first is given to him. There's the the sacrifice that he gives that he's not supposed to. And then we get to this spot where he, his heart is so far from the Lord. Yeah. You know, you could say, well, he, yeah, because God's not talking to him. God's not talking to him because God knows what Samuel or Saul is. And he, and because of even Saul's rejection of Samuel as a leader, Saul's got no chance. And so there's nothing redemptive about this story. There's no way to, there's no way to really redeem him. He's so far gone that this is where he's at. So 
That's one thing to think about. And one of the things that you see about Saul is kind of our last point for the week. Saul's a jealous, paranoid guy. He's freaking out all the time, uh, specifically about his situation with David, which is an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, with your son-in-law of all people. Yeah. And how fascinating that he seems to, if you go back in the history of it, he seems to just have such appreciation for David, especially when David would play for him and right. it would calm him down. And then he would just go crazy. And interesting things, you know, just even about the Lord hardening his heart. That's, those are some fascinating things going on there with right. with this whole thing. But then to be so jealous and, and even, even as... Saul is pursuing him, and David shows him mercy time and mm-hmm. time again. And Saul seems to go, "Oh, you're right. You, you're the you're the one who's being righteous. I, I, I'm I, my bad." And you think, "Oh, wow, he's he's coming around." And then next thing, you know, oh, he's going back after him again. It's like this man is a hot mess. Yeah, it totally is. And when you look at the Saul's heart being hardened passages, again, people sometimes freak out about those a little bit, and they go, well, "How is God doing that?" There's a lot of ways to read that. It, it could be that God is actually hardening his heart, and I don't mean giving him a heart attack or something, but just God is actually sort of shuddering Saul from seeing things clearly. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it would be that God is giving Saul opportunities or chances, tests, and every time those tests happen, Saul's heart gets a little harder, which could also be seen as God hardening his heart because God is actually giving him chances to step out, but Saul's not. And so then God is just continually putting him in those situations that hardens his heart just a little more to sort of one way to say it would be that God is putting him in situations to show his true character, which as a, as a man who's trying to walk with God, may that never be seen of me where I'm, I'm repeatedly being put in positions just so that my true character is shown and my true heart is shown. Um, Because my hope would be that my true character and my true heart would constantly point toward the Lord. My hope would be at the end of my life that nobody says his heart was hardened by the Lord because the Lord kept putting him in positions and he kept failing over and over and over again. That's what we see with Pharaoh. That's what we see with Saul here. So no matter which way you you slice it, this guy's got problems and he's not exactly a good guy. And then it opens up this idea of, you know, he married his son off to Michael and we're like, yay, or son-in-law off to his daughter, Michael. And so he marries David off to Michael, which is, like I said, his daughter. Uh, son-in-laws, fathers, always a great experience, right? Yeah, not always. I mean, I have a good, have a good experience, but <laughs> so do you I. hear, you hear the, uh, nightmare ones, you know, and uh, yeah, this is <laughs> his father-in-law want to kill him. Uh, yeah. Ch- ch- you know, these are awkward Thanksgiving meals. Yeah, I mean, be- you, you've had, <laughs> you've had a rough Thanksgiving. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance you've had some experience where either someone in your family made a, a rough meal or something like that. You're, you're thinking those things up right now as you conjure it up. The, the one story that I think of is Jonathan is out in a field firing arrows to tell David, yeah, my dad's going to try to kill you, yeah. while his dad's having dinner inside asking, where is David? Yeah. So David's so scared of his father-in-law, he's not even at the family meals anymore. Imagine that. Well, he's had spears thrown at him. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty bad, yeah. that's a pretty bad in-law it's, meal right it's there. It's messed up. But I'm imagining, <laughs> your, I'm imagining your farm... Right, a big Thanksgiving, Christmas <laughs> meal, and the son-in-law, you know, whenever that happens, then Mallory gets married or Akor or you yeah. know, one of the littler ones, you know, that happens. You've got a son-in-law hiding in the field, and Zane is out there firing arrows over his head. Oh, that one's too far. You better get running. I, I have been gun shopping, just so you oh know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we are going to end this before Mark indicts himself. Anyway. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's kind of a weird time in our, our history, and so those are things to think about. Boy, it just sets up David coming, doesn't it, though? I mean, just totally. sets up this new king. It makes you yearn for a guy who's not going to be a total travesty. Yep. Goodbye, donkeys. Goodbye, donkeys.